0: Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Praise God. I'm so glad you're here. If this is your first time listening to me, hello, I'm Pastor Ed Spagnoli. I come to you from McKinney, Texas. This is Gospel Saving Church, one of God's true churches of these last days. And this is our weekly broadcast of truth from God's Word. I hope you didn't come today. I always say this. God laid this on my heart some time ago. I hope you didn't come here to be entertained, because I'm not supposed to be an entertainer. That's not what the Bible says that someone that teaches the Word of God is supposed to be. I'm supposed to be an exhorter, and I'm supposed to be a uh, someone that it, that helps you in your walk with the Lord. I'm supposed to be someone that teaches you the Word of God and and just helps you along on this journey. Because if you're a really a true Christian, it's not an easy journey. It's hard to be a Christian. It's hard to walk with the Lord because He says live one way, but our flesh says no. Live that way. And so it's hard to be a Christian. So here, here we are. and back again. Another beautiful day in February where there's snow everywhere but, and, and there's cold and there's icy rain in the forecast. But you know what? Praise God we're here. It's another beautiful day. It's a beautiful day in Christ. As I was just speaking with my church family this morning about how if you look to things in the world or if we look to one another for hope or if we look to our, our material possessions or, or even our pastors or our leaders in church, if we look to them for hope or look, we look even within ourselves for hope, we really, we don't find hope within ourselves. We don't find hope in anything in this world because it's all fleeting. It, it all has an end. It doesn't have, there, there is there is no foreverness forever, ever, ever in any of us or anything on this world. It, it all has an ending. And and we always, often, I know for me, and I know even people with me, we, we, we have shortcomings, and so we disappoint one another. But, but there's only one place that we can look, and only one person that we can look to in order to be satisfied, in order to be complete, in order to be truly happy and joyful. And that's God Almighty and His Son, Jesus Christ. So anyway, here we go. We're going to start our message today. That was just a little something that God laid on my heart that I wanted to share with you guys, because really there is no hope in this world. The only hope that this world has is death. So on uh, to our sermon, let's let's get let's get going. Uh we always actually God just reminded me, we always pray before I start my message. So if you join me in a word of prayer, please. We ask the Lord to bless our hearts and and bless his message so that it touches our hearts in the right way. Um, thank you so much Lord God for bringing us here. Thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you so much Lord God that there is only hope in you lord god in heaven because if we could find lots of hope on this earth and and, and in each other lord there what would be the purpose of actually having an another life after we die lord we would just be content to stay here and and lord but that would be great if there weren't things like death and and evil and, and and disappointments and 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 all these bad things that are on this earth lord god that that I mean, look around. Creation is beautiful, but when you look at creation and death, especially it being winter everywhere, you, all you find is all you see is death. But, Lord, in you is life. So, Lord, we ask and pray, Lord God, that you would help us to understand your word today, for there is only life in you, and, Lord, there's only life in walking and following you, walking with you and following you. So we pray, Lord God, that you would help us to find our life only in you, and to find our hope only in you. And, and we ask that you help us understand this this message, Lord, and live it out. Not just hear it, Lord, but live it out. Lord, we know that it is not just the hearer that it's blessed. It's the hearer and the one that does what he hears. And as my old saying that you gave me years ago, wisdom not applied is foolishness. God, we can know all that we know in the whole world, but if we don't apply it, if we don't use it in our lives, Lord God, then it does us no good. So, Lord, help us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. God, we thank you and we love you and we praise you. And we ask all these things in the mighty and precious name of Jesus Christ, our only hope. Amen. So, if you guys want to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 16, that's where we're going to be today. Uh, You're probably there if you follow me all the time. You know that I teach verse by verse. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16, and we're going to be covering verses 6 through 18. 15 today. I'll give you a moment to get your Bibles open and get there going. Our title of our sermon today, God's vision. Title of our sermon, God's vision. Hope that you're there. I'm going to start reading. Hopefully you're there or near there. Let's read Acts 16 and let's begin. The Bible says this. Now, when they had gone through Pergia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysa, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysa, they came down to Tros, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Get it? A vision. God's vision. There's kind of where the sermon title came from. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Verse 9. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Tros, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and on the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira and who worshiped God. Now, this would be Jehovah, God, not Christ, obviously. She was Jewish. And the Bible says that the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. When she, had, when she and her household were baptized, so that means they all got saved, she begged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Now, last week, we read of the beginning of Paul and Silas's trip back to the cities where Paul and Barnabas had planted churches on their previous journey. They had gone on a previous journey to plant churches, to evangelize and plant churches. Then they went back through these same churches to go and encourage and strengthen the Christians. And then they kind of took a break again. And then they went back again, this time here. They went back again to, you know, Pre- not preach the gospel, but go through these cities, through the churches they had planted, and go and encourage the churches one more time. On their journey, Paul and Silas meet up with a disciple. Of Christ named Timothy, whom Paul learns from other Christians, right? Because he lived his life in such a supernaturally godly way for Christ Jesus that he was a highly regarded man of God in Jesus Christ. What does Paul do? Paul says, I- "I'm going to acquire you. I'm going to I'm going to uh, 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 make a deal here with you. Come on, join my team." Because, uh, but but he has a problem. Remember, he has a problem. He's he's a Jewish by mother by his birth, but he's not circumcised. So, out of Paul's grand rule of love he gets him circumcised because if he didn't the trip would have been a waste for remember the jews and the churches and the regions that he was going to go back through knew he was jewish and if he wasn't uh circumcised they still thought circumcision was something that god wanted them to do because they hadn't been clued in on the fact that god said no Hey, the old covenant, the Old Testament's gone, that, all that stuff doesn't matter anymore because we're all one in Christ, whether Jew or Greek or whoever. And then so now it's Christ on the cross and what Christ did for us on the cross. It's no longer because we're circumcised or because we're not circumcised is how we're right with God. Today we open up, we're, we're, we just learned about that journey, They're, they were on that journey. Today we open up to verse 1, where we kind of change course. Read verse 1 again with me, please. Now when they had gone through Pergia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia that verse in case you didn't know god kind of caught me off guard with this one cuz i had always kind of read it the wrong way and i'll show you why it's very, there's there's a very small difference in the words that we're going to look at today uh, the names of the cities that actually uh, makes the verse inform us that their other journey the one that paul and barnabas or the one i'm sorry excuse me the one that paul and silas were on and timothy was on to plant to go and encourage those churches is now over it seemed as if that was a pretty quick journey didn't it now you may be saying pastor ed how could that journey already be over uh well in the recorded scripture uh, not in reality as they had the travel time and the messages that paul gave and such but scripture wise it did seem to be a very short journey and it was a short journey let me get there how do we know this verse tells us that their original journey to encourage the churches was over well with a careful reading, we got to look at the names of the cities very carefully here. With a careful reading, we find out that their first missionary journey of preaching the gospel, planning churches, and the one that they started in Acts 15, the one that where they went back to encourage the churches, only took them through Perga, P-E-R-G-A, of Pampelonia, or pamphylonia I don't know, however you want to say it, which was southeast of the region of what we read today, Pergia, P H R Y G I A in Asia. One was Perga of Pampelonia, and today now they're in Pergia in Asia. Those are completely two different locations. Again, Herga of Pampelonia which was southeast of the region of Pergia in Asia, which they're in today, their current location in Acts 16.6. The names sound a lot alike, but if you go back through your, your Bible and you actually read, you'll see, as I didn't for years, that they are different cities. And, and notice that that verse just told us. Verse 1, now when they had gone through Persia and, uh, and the region of Galatia, again, these were all north, right, northwest, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word. See, remember, the other trip was them going and encouraging the churches. Now, this trip here was them preaching the word, and notice it was in Asia. That's important. Scripture just told us that their church planting and encouraging mission only made it as far as northwest, as far as Antioch and Pamphylonia. Then, then they went back southeast towards home in Antioch and Syria, continuing to encourage those churches along the way. Their first missionary journey of preaching and planting churches was uh, aimed at Asia Minor, not Asia. There's, there's a difference in the Old Testament. There's a difference in Scripture. Asia Minor and Asia were two different, complete different regions. And their return trip to encourage those same churches would have been through that same Asia Minor, not Asia. So again, verse 6 just informed us that they were done encouraging the churches they had planted in Asia Minor, and that now they were basically, they were heading to new regions and cities to start the process of preaching and planting churches all over again. God sure did have Paul a busy guy, didn't he? Paul was very anxious to get in there and get his hands dirty for the Lord. He, He was a, A lover of God. Um, He did have Paul busy, but as we just read in verse 6, God didn't want them busy for him preaching the word in Asia, implanting churches in Asia. He had other plans or another vision. That's that's where the title of our sermon comes from. God had his vision here for Paul. Another vision as it pertains to the message title. Uh, Verse 6, again, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, I, I got to ask myself here. You should be asking yourself here, what? God forbidding them to preach anywhere? Didn't Jesus Christ say in Mark 16:15, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature?" Is Asia or isn't Asia actually in the world? Well, of course Asia's in the world. So why would God's Holy Spirit forbid Paul and his team here, remember it would be Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, now this this foursome here, why would God's Holy Spirit forbid this foursome to go forth into Asia and preach the gospel when Christ said go forth into the whole world and preach the gospel? Well, he did say that in Mark 16, 15, but we can't take what Christ said outside of the fact that When God has different plans for us to go to certain places, God has certain plans for us to go to certain places. We just can't go wherever we want to go, because that's if Jesus is our Lord, we're supposed to be underneath His leadership, and God's leadership, right? And God and Christ and Holy Spirit are supposed to lead us as to where He wants us to go and work for Him, because He has a purpose, a timing, and a vision for everything. And if you are a real Christian and you really love Jesus Christ, you are supposed to operate within that. There, there is no such thing in God's kingdom as a lone soldier. We're supposed to be in church, part of God's vision, and we're supposed to be listening to God as to where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do at all times. Uh, now, I taught a sermon back some time ago in Acts, I believe it was Acts Four or five—I don't remember exactly now—called God's timing, and and I, in this sermon, I kind of discussed God's timing. You know, yes, He wants us to, on an everyday basis, go forth to wherever we are and shining the light of Jesus Christ, but God has specific missions for his children to be on. And when he has a specific mission for us to be on, then he wants—he has a vision and a mission, we're supposed to be in that mission and that vision. We're not just supposed to be out there randomly going wherever we want, okay? Uh, for as, as the children of God, we need to remember that his word says this, Revelation 3.8, he is the one that opens doors that no one shuts, and he shuts doors that no one opens. He opens up certain doors for certain works, And he closes other doors of works that we maybe want to get into or that we want to partake of because they're not in his timing. They're not in his vision because of some factor for God's wisdom and God's knowledge is way far beyond ours. And so when we want to go, you know, and we're a servant of his and we want to go here and preach the gospel, God may be saying, no, 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 you don't know there's not a good place right now. Here's where I want you to go. But Lord, you said to go forth in the whole world and preach God. Yeah, 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 I know. but And you still are, but just not in this part of the world right now. Because you know what? That part's not ready yet. Or that part's not. I have a reason. I want you over here. And I'll tell you. Thanks be to God that he does open doors that that no one can shut and shuts doors that no one opens and leads us here and there or wherever and to specific missions because really we're lost without him. It doesn't matter whether we're a Christian or not. We're lost without him for we don't really know the good and precious way to serve him exactly. Without his personal hands-on guidance, we really know nothing about serving God down to the last detail. Because again, as I just said, we're so limited in our understanding. We're so limited in our knowledge. But God, His knowledge is is, is far. He sees upon the whole earth, and He can look into men's hearts, and He knows where people are at, and He knows what areas are 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 ready and what areas aren't ready and what areas the devil has a stronghold on and what devil and what areas and that that people have been praying for that he knows that are open and that's so we got to follow him and do the things that he wants getting back to our section so god's holy spirit forbids paul and silas and timothy and luke i'll add to preach the gospel in asia but why well we actually get to know why here in this section. We'll read of it in a little bit. But normally, and I've taught about this before, normally Christians don't get to know. God gives us a vision, and he doesn't tell us why we're going where we're going. Many times, God may shut many doors in our lives for things that we want to do for him or places that we want to go for him, ways that we want to go. Uh, and, and for those times, many of those times that he does those things, we're like, but, lo- but Lord, Why? Why are we doing this? Why am I not allowed to go here? Why? Why can't I go this way or why can't I go that way? And God may not tell us. I mean, if we're his servant and we've been bought with the blood of Christ and he just like a father me as a dad. And if I tell my child or my children something and I may say, hey, son, you know, go do this or hey, son, go do that. The worst thing that I hate is why? Because I may not want to give the answer why. Because maybe they wouldn't be able to handle the why. I, I could say do something. I'm not saying it to hurt them. So, so that's like God. He, he's not saying, it, He's not saying well, go here. Yeah, I'm going to get those children of mine. Ah. No, he, he's saying it because he has a specific purpose. Uh, but again we may not always know the reason why. And again, for the person who truly loves him, it's just really best when God gives us a vision or God gives us you know, a mission or something to go do that we repeat those famous words of Christ back in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26, 39. Uh, not my will, Lord, let your will be done. So God's Holy Spirit closes the door of ministry for his soldiers in this instance here in Asia by forbidding them or saying no to them preaching to those in Asia. And and what do we see our missionaries do next? Uh, Look at verse 7. Do they they take this restriction of God that he gives them and they say, All right, Lord, not my will, but your will be done? Look at verse 7. After they had come to Mysa, also in Asia, they tried to go t- into Bithynia, also still in Asia, but the spirit did not permit them. So simply geographically, they go straight north, then north northwest, still traveling in Asia and in the Galatia territory. For there in Galatia and Asia were kind of like they were almost like you know if they were like two two uh, states that were real close to one another. This these regions were you know basically. You know, they were landlocked with one another, okay? And they go and they try to preach the gospel again while still in Asia. And as the end of that verse just told us, God's answer was still, the Spirit did not permit them. That means the Lord's response to them trying to preach while still in Asia is still the same as before. No. No. When God says no, then he means no, and Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke are all learning that here the hard way. They're getting the hard knocks lesson from God here. What they do in Asia reminds me of the time that God kept giving Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moabites, when he hired Balaam to come and curse Israel for him in Numbers Twenty-two. This this king had heard about all the wonderful things that the Israelites, that God had done for Israel to deliver them from Egypt, and now here they are. Israel is knocking on their door, and 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 Balak goes, man, they're going to do to us exactly what they did to the Egyptians. So, this guy Balak calls Balaam, this this seer, this Gentile follower of Jehovah, and he comes and he says, hey, come, curse these people for me because I know, hey, whom you curse. Hey, those are cursed. And so as as Balaam comes, God tries to tell him no not to come. But yet Balaam is kind of living in the flesh, and he sees all the goodies that he could get from this little adventure that he wants to go on. And, he, oh, sure, I could do this, whatever, I'll come and curse him. And and then God told him no, but he still thought, well, you know, come on, Lord, let me go. Maybe, maybe just come and they'll give me some stuff. I'm just looking inside of his mind. Yet when Balaam gets there, Balaam goes up to Balak and Balak says, Hey, here, you know, sacrifice and then go to the Lord. And he gives him these three or four places to go to to say, Hey, come to this place here and and curse him here. And, And as he goes to curse him, God fills his mouth and he just blesses them. And he goes three or four places and he says, curse them here. Maybe maybe you could go over here a little higher. Maybe, you know, because if you don't see them as much, maybe then God will let you curse them. But then as Balaam began to speak, God would just fill his mouth with blessing. And, and so God never did allow Balaam to curse Israel because his answer to Balak wanting to curse them was simply no. God says No. God means no, and that's just it. Moses one time, when uh, God had said, hey, you sinned at the waters of Meribah, and and you did not uh, exalt my name, but yet you, you know, and that's because he struck the stone twice, and we all know the stone was Jesus Christ. It was a It was kind of a picture image of Christ there, and Christ only died once for sins, not multiple times. Yet because Moses didn't listen, what happened is, is God said, because you didn't listen to me, you shall not enter the promised land. Well, Moses was like, okay, you know, and he moves on. Well, sometime later, Moses comes back to God, and he says, you know, God, hey, I I know what you said about, you know, no, I, I couldn't go into the land, you know, but you know, Lord... I mean, Lord, I've done so much for you. And, you know, Lord, look, I'm, I'm your greatest servant. Da, 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 da. And God says, no. And, you know, God says, don't even ask again. I said no. Now don't ask again. <laughs> I myself had uh, God provided for me one time by two separate jobs. And uh, there was years that I worked at these two jobs, over a decade, each job. And, and in the beginning, of course, those jobs were good. And everything was 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 wonderful and cheesy and great, and it was having a great time. But then, as time went on, the one job kind of went south, and they kind of the company was changing and moving toward you know greed and money and less of a personal love uh, for an employee for the employees, and more more like a corporation. Even though it was a corporation in the begin with, it what the way that they were running. It wasn't quite that corporate monster, brah, you know. Kind of you are nothing attitude, and so as time went on, I kind of kept going back to the Lord. Hey Lord, hey, can I, you know, can I just go to this one job, or would you know, would you just give me one job to provide for my family? I mean, you know, look, look, Lord, this this other job even pays more, Lord. Come on, Lord, let let me go over here to this job. And and throughout the years, many times, probably over a dozen. I would go to God. Oh God, please. You know, let me go here. Let me go there. You know, let me go to this one. Let me let me get this better job over here. It even pays more. The Lord said no. Lord said no. Lord said no. Lord said no. Now, thanks be to God that no was only for a time because just recently <laughs> he opened the doors and let me escape from this one job that was no longer where he wanted me to be. But for years, I go back to when God says no, God means no. Now, and that was just a good lesson w- within a major lesson in this message. Again, when God says no, God means no, and that's it. That's that. Got it? Good. Let's move on. Um, as followers of Jesus Christ, if God's answer is no, then our reply must be, not my will, let your will be done. And we must move on with the work he calls us to without complaining about it. Uh, complaining in God's eyes is not so good. Remember the, the children of Israel, when they were going through the wilderness, uh, they got themselves lots of death sentences and um, a, a, a cutoff of entering into the promised land because they did nothing but kept complaining. So anyway, don't complain. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but let your will be done. So getting back. God says no to them preaching in Asia, but as I said earlier, uh, we always won't know why God says no when he says no to things that we want to do. But in this case, as I mentioned already, we actually do get to know why he says no. Look at verses Eight and nine with some simple logic. So passing by Misa, they came down to Troas. Now again, still cities in Asia, but they learned their lesson because they don't, we see them here, they don't try to preach again. They, they just keep going. They they listen to God's no and they just keep moving forward. But they but they kept, even though God said no, don't do here or don't do there, we, we do see here that they kept moving forward. This is something that God reminded me that he talked to me about when I was you know, when I was writing the sermon, but I didn't actually write it down. It's important that although God may say no to one direction, that we keep seeking Him and we keep searching and we keep moving forward to say where God will say yes. Because we don't want to just take God's no as a, well then, you know, lay down and die. Or, okay, well, then go on the couch and, and drink a nice tea and, and, and watch, a, you know, watch a chick flick with your wife. We want to go, and what we want to do is we want to keep moving forward, as the, the, the disciples did here and the apostle uh, Paul. They, they kept moving forward. And as they did, as God saw that their earnestness to serve him, look at verse 9, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, I'm sure he didn't say it like that, but I just had to say it like that because I figured it'd be a little dramatics there. Well, anyway, there's our logical answer as to why God said no to them, preaching in Asia. He had others that he knew were ready for the Lord. He had others elsewhere that were in need of Jesus Christ. It's always good to read the Bible with simple words. Logic. Don't get so complicated and oh, it's got to be so this. Just simple logic. God had some people just due west of where they were in Macedonia that were in desperate need of the spiritual healing of Jesus Christ, and, and they were uh, there. There were obviously people in Macedonia that had responded to God's calling them by, you know, by, by His Holy Spirit, because that's what the Bible says. Nobody comes to God on their own, but the Bible says that God's calling people by His Holy Spirit all over the world. For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son. And his eyes were searching and running to and fro upon the whole earth, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. And so he wanted to send his, his servants to go for the healing of the souls that were in Macedonia, that were ready. Did our ministers of Christ finally get God's vision for the mission? Read verse 10. After he, that be Paul, had seen the vision, immediately... Notice he didn't wait. Immediately, we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding, it was a good conclusion, that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Notice the us there. I'm going to break away from the main message again here just for a moment. Notice the us there. Remember last week I told you that in the missions that these disciples and apostles went on, that there were always more with Paul than just Paul generally, but we don't read about them. Well, many times Luke, who was also with them, who was writing all this down, he didn't record anybody because maybe they didn't, obviously they didn't do anything spectacular, uh, noteworthy. And Paul was God's main speaker and the main one that did most of the miracles. He was the only apostle on the trip as well, too. So as I said earlier, often he was the only one mentioned even though we know right here with this trip, there was Timothy, because Paul had just called him to go on the trip. There was Silas, whom he left Antioch with. There was Luke, whom had been with him from whoever, however knows how long. And then, of course, there was Paul. There were four, yet Paul was the only one that gets mentioned here. Uh, back to my answer to the, my question moments ago. Did these ministers of God finally get God's vision of what he was wanting them to do and where he wanted them to be and go? praise God he absolutely does verse 10 just told us that they figured it out with the help of a handy dandy vision from God Almighty of a desperate man in Macedonia pleading for help Uh, and take it from me God absolutely has a way of communicating to his kids the way he wants us to go even when that way he wants us to go isn't the way we want to go and uh you know that's just how it is with God (laughs) He wants us to go away. We don't want to go that way. We got to surrender to his calling and we got to go. Uh, per the vision of the man, think about this. Was there literally only one man in Macedonia that was needing the healing of his soul by the salvation of Jesus Christ? I don't really think so. In fact, our scripture even tells us here in a little bit. Uh, that there were more than one soul that gets healed by Jesus Christ. Why did God then give the vision of the one man to Paul then? Well, I think the purpose of the vision wasn't to tell Paul the exact details, as I often will say about God's visions and God's missions for us. He doesn't give us every single detail of every single mission. He gets us going that way, and then he kind of leads us as we go. And so the purpose of this vision from Paul, or from God to Paul, I should say, of the one person, the purpose of that vision was to get him going in that direction. Not telling him, oh, this is every single solitary detail that you're going to run into, Paul. Because if God gave us all the details, how would we have to walk by faith and not by sight? Because this is what the Bible says. God wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. I speak, by the way, on this one from... Personal experience, by the way. Finally, having God's vision for the work he has for them, look what they do. Look, finally look what they do. Read verses 11 and 12. Therefore, sailing from Tros, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis. Uh, they had to sail a boat, right? Because the area that they were in in Asia, in what, what, the area that they needed to go to in Macedonia, was across the water. Of course, there were no bridges there, I'm sure, at that time. There's probably bridges there now. It's modern day, but there were no bridges, so they had to take a boat, verse 12. And from there, they came to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we're staying there in that city for some days. They finally understand God's vision for their work, and off to Macedonia they go. And even though it wasn't by just a quick jaunt across the street, they were willing to do whatever it took to follow God, so... What they did was is they hop on a boat and they jump across the sea or whatever there was there, probably a little sea or a little inland water route or whatever they had to go over, and then they stayed there for a while. God gave them a place to go, and then they stayed there for a while. They did what God called them to do. And, hey, we're here. Let's, let's, let's settle in. Let's do your work, God. Long idea made short. God gave them the vision to go to the peoples of Macedonia and preach Jesus Christ for the healing of people's souls, And they hesitate not. They go and fulfill the calling and vision God gave them. Christians, when God gives you a vision of something that He and Jesus Christ want you to do, then please do it and follow His calling and don't try to go against it and do your own thing. Uh, this sermon, God was showing me, laying it on my heart as I was writing this end part of this sermon here. Not that we're at the end, mind you, but he in this last portion of the message, and he was really showing me that there there's somebody that's listening to this message uh, right now that, that's maybe going through some struggles, filling you know God's vision, God's calling on their lives. You know, God says, "I want you to do this." God says, I want you to go here. God says, I want you to go there. And you're going, I don't know, Lord. I don't know. Are you sure you want me to do that? Are you sure you want me to go here? Are you sure you want me to go there? But, Christian, if you if you really love God, and you really love Christ, and you really realize that you're bought with the blood of Christ, do you really want to fight against the vision or plan that God has for you and those with you. If you really love God and you really are sold out to Christ, then I don't think that you want to do that. Uh, but you may be saying that the struggle's in your mind because I've been there. But Pastor Ed, God's vision is scary and I and I think it's, it could be bad and harsh and, and, and wow, it could be scary. I don't understand. It may involve a lot of suffering for me and my family and those in the church that are that are serving with me and to that I say this Romans 1 8 I beseech you therefore brethren or sistren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable to God which is your reasonable service because listen you're probably right and I speak from experience his calling just might be that way for you but and that's a huge but, by the way, it is Jesus Christ and his love and his sacrifice for you on the cross and his daily love of you and his forgiveness of you, the sinful person that you are. Because we all sin. Not that if you're a real Christian, you're practicing sin as a lifestyle, but we still blow it. I know, I still blow it sometimes. And yet I often wonder when I blow it, even sometimes big, God, how can you love me? I just sin this heinous way. I hate myself. God, just kill me now. I don't want to sin like this again. And yet God says, I understand you didn't want to do it. Now, let's try harder next time to not do it. So is his sacrifice and love for you on the cross and daily loving you as the sinful person you are, not worth whatever he may want you, to do is it not worth whatever he wants you to do right now well i think it is hence paul wrote what he did in romans 1 christians think about this also if you refuse to obey or or try to go against what god has called you to do once god's called you because i think there's somebody listening to this message god's called you to do something and you're like oh you can't do that lord that's called disobedience If God's really shown you a vision and you don't do it, then that's called disobedience. And remember what Samuel said to the rebellious king Saul, who eventually God ripped the spirit away from him. God God says, you've fallen away. I I am no longer with you. Well, if he's no longer with him, he was with him at a moment, right? So we can't say, oh, well, you know, once you're saved, you're always saved. Because if God said, I'm no longer with you. Well, that means that God wasn't with him, right? And then God just said, I'm no longer with you. I'm ripping, I'm going away. I'm leaving you. And so remember what Samuel said to Saul when Saul was being rebellious. 1 Samuel 15, 23, for rebellion is is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness. Oh, there it is, Christian. There it is. Or disobedience. Uh, and disobedience is as iniquity and idolatry. Wow. You can't say no to God. God wants you to do something. You just got to do it saying all that, if God seems to think that you are worthy for Him to impart a vision or a ministry to you, Christian, you just better take it, grin and bear it, and smile and rejoice, because guess what? God found you worthy to do something for Him. Rejoice in that. That's not everybody that has, God says, I have a special mission for you, or even a difficult mission mission for you some christians just get off easy god just says hey be faithful to me and all these little things and serve me here and there whatever and they in their visions i've heard of people getting called to go pastor or go evangelize and go start a mission in hawaii oh that's a tough one wow go to hawaii and yeah go start a beach ministry There was a very famous ministry that's still in existence now. And and, and how they started out, it was in California. And they walked up and down the beaches. Oh, wow, that's so hard. Walking up and down the beaches and preaching to people and talking to people about Jesus Christ. Well, if you're in the north right now, or or you're even kind of in the the north mid, you know right now that'd be an awful nice vision to get from God. But yet other Christians, they don't get a vision like that. They get a hard vision like Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke here. And, And think, no matter what happens to you on that journey God gives you, then praise God for Him. Listen and live for Him. For even though people have made a, a certain verse of Paul's very cliche, what, what Paul says in that verse is super really uh, uh, applying here. Philippians one twenty one. And, th- and this is true. And this is why kind of I started out the message with, hey, you know, there is no hope really found in this world. This is this is when God was speaking to me about this. Philippians one twenty one: to live is Christ, and to die is gain. There's really nothing in this earth and on this earth and even within ourselves or our others or our family members or our pastors or our leaders that can give us hope. So really, to live is Christ, to die is again. It is so much better to go and be with the Lord, but the Lord says, I know you want to come and be with me, but I've got these missions for you and I've got these duties for you. I've got these visions for you, Christian. I want you to do them. Now, FYI, Paul wrote that, Philippians 1.21, from prison, by the way. And of course, he knew right then. God, I want to come and be with you. Uh, where I knew that when you're in prison, you suffer greatly. Uh, there's no such thing as a prison country club back in Paul's day. Pr- prison were, were the prisons that he was kept in often were prisons where he was shackled, as we'll see here in a week or two, where he was shackled in, in the inner prison. And, and they were dungeons, basically. And, and yet, it, that's where God's, uh, that's where his obedience to God's vision for him to do this work in Macedonia got him and as I said we're even gonna see uh, next sermon in, in or to prison was indeed where Paul Silas Timothy and Luke went for following God's calling them to Macedonia but you can say you can say oh no I'm gonna complain and I'm gonna whine about it and I'm gonna do and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that, and, you know and I'm just not gonna go or You can listen to Jesus Christ's words in Matthew 5, 11-12, where he said this, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who before you. What he's saying there is, is if they're doing all this evil to you, and they're being in all these harsh ways towards you, Rejoice. For so they did to the my real followers back in the day. People that proclaim to be of Christ but face no persecution and no hardship ever, well, they're not real Christians. Because guess what? The real followers of Christ, they go through lots of crap. That's that's just how it is a lot of times. Uh, but no matter what God's vision costs those he calls to work for them or calls them to, to work, right? Uh, his callings are worth it, even for Paul here, even for us today. Look at our last verses, verses 13 through 15. On And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lida heard us, so he goes down to this, to this little riverside and they start talking to the people there about Jesus Christ. And there was a certain woman there, Lydda. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God, which meant that she was a, a Jewish uh, woman of God, not, not, not a Christian yet, right? But the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul, which means that she got saved And when she and her household were baptized, which means that her whole household got saved, she begged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, meaning her coming to the Lord, come to my house and stay. Hey, lodge with me. Stay with me. And so she persuaded us. His visions and callings of ministry work are always reaping some kind of good fruit for his You'll be blessed too. And I speak from experience. Not the blessings that you may think, but you'll be blessed too. But his callings will always reap some good fruit for his kingdom. And here we see that these soldiers, obedience to God's vision of the calling to Macedonia, won some lost souls to Christ. Uh, next week we see that their response to God's vision to Macedonia again got them beaten and prison. But we also see that it got another whole household saved. And those are the only ones that Luke's recording. If they were there from some time, they, they, Luke may have not recorded every single detail of every single person that came to know Christ. As he did, uh, as we read in the weeks past, when he went and planted churches, It didn't tell us exactly everybody that got saved, but it just it would say you know something great like, oh, well, you know, the whole city turned, but then, you know, something bad happened, right? And some fell away, right? But when we're obedient to God's callings and to his visions, good fruit is wrought for his kingdom. But the good news is this, although we may suffer for obeying his callings to follow his visions in this life, Jesus Christ, Matthew 6, 19 through 21 tells, tells us that we're basically, as we continue to do God's work, it's not supposed to be our main heart for it, but as we continue to do God's work, that he says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in Heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves not breaking and steal. And for there, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. If you really do belong to Jesus Christ today and listen to this message, and so you're a born again Christian, then where do you want to be rich? (laughs) Do you want to be rich here on earth? (laughs) Well, listen, you've never seen a tow hitch on the back of a hearse, right? Have you? No such thing, because guess what? No matter what you gain in this, no matter whether you were Steve Jobs, who who passed away some time ago, who was one of the richest men on earth, he couldn't take one single penny with him. Even Donald Trump, bless his soul, praise be to God, I'm thankful that he's president of our United States of America, but when he dies, he's a multi-billionaire, can't take one penny with them, Bill Gates, uh, all of these, these, these rich Muslim kids, when they die, they can't take one penny with them. No matter how much you gain or how rich you think you may want to be on this earth, you can't take it with you. And so your riches get old, right? People can steal them. People do steal them. We live in a, a day and age where people would rather steal from others than go work hard themselves to get their money. And so that's what happens to your riches here. They get old, you spend them down, you use them up, and when you die, you can't take them with you. Or, do you want to be rich in heaven if you belong to God, uh, where you can keep your riches forever? I think, they never get old, they never get run down, you can't ever spend them away, can't ever spend, can't ever spend them so much that they go away, uh, and they literally last Forever. Remember what Christ taught in the parable uh, of the talents, Matthew 25, starting in v- uh, verse 14. Listen to what he says. Uh, listen to what he says that those that served him, that those were really his, that those that were obedient to his callings, listen to what they got. Uh, he says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered them his goods. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, another one. To each according to his own ability immediately he went away on a journey then he who received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents, which means that he did something with the vision with the work that god gave him to do all these little talents and everything all these these are all god's callings for his children right to, to do right uh, but he went but uh, oh, excuse me verse 17 and likewise he would receive two gained two more also the, these guys were all busy but he who had received one went and dug in the ground and his Lord's money, and after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Verse 20 So he who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents, look, I've gained five more. Uh, his Lord said to him, Well done, listen, good and faithful servant, you were faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. Now, think these. People that were obedient to God's calling, they got to be ruler over God's kingdom, over a part of something of God's kingdom, of area, or whatever. And that would be them ruling over that area forever. Not just for a minute, not just for a day. They got to rule over that area forever. Forever. And likewise, it was with the two. Verse twenty-two. He had received the two talents, and it's the same scenario. He got to be a ruler over those kingdoms, those those areas for God's kingdom. Well done, good and faithful servant. I will make you ruler over many things and to the joy of your Lord. But, verse 24, then he would receive the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you'd be a harsh man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not uh, scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid the talent in the ground. He didn't do anything with what God gave him to do. Look, here you have what's yours. But he answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. Skip to verse 27. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I will receive back my own with interest. Therefore, listen, what he says, verse 28, Take away the talent from him, and give it to him who has the ten, who has the most. For everyone who has, more will be given, and, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And listen cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He wasn't obedient. And so he didn't even get to go to heaven. But notice, again, that only those born-again Christian servants of God that did something with the callings and visions that God gave them to do, they were the only ones that got to have those eternal rewards forever. So really, this is what you're looking at, Christian. Do what God says he wants you to be rich in heaven, and he'll give you much treasure in heaven. come on, Christian, those whom this message is written to, because I know, again, that God laid this message on my heart for someone or or multiple believers in this world who are listening that are struggling with being obedient to God's calling of a vision he's given them to fulfill. He, He says today to you, trust me. Have I ever let you down from whenever you've come to me until this day? And the answer would most definitely be no. So please, come on now, believer. Cry out to Christ today with this wrestle you're going through, with whether to follow God Almighty's and Jesus Christ's call or not. End it with the words of Isaiah in Isaiah 6, 8 in his prophetic book. Then he said, Here I am, Lord, send me. (laughs) And the the words of Christ in the garden, Oh, oh my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, because God had already shown him what to do, not as I will, but as you will. And if he's already shown you that exact vision, skip the first part of Christ's prayer and just say, Nevertheless, Lord, not as I will, but as you will. Right? It definitely won't be easy to fulfill that vision God has given you once you take it. But let me tell you what, the amazing revelations... And help that you give he'll give you on your journey and, and just the overall just way he's with you. Wow. It's the way he'll operate with you. There's nothing like it in the whole wide world. And again, now I speak from personal experience, this whole message. Uh, Is something that I've dealt with, something that I've surrendered to God with, with this church and with areas of my life, the ministry for, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, again, I'm on this same type of journey right now, February 11, 2018. And let me tell you what, praise God, He's so faithful. And although it's been hard, although it's been walking across broken glass with bare feet bleeding everywhere, yeah, though Lo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I shall not fear, for God I know that you are with me. So Christian, be obedient, take up the charge God's given you, and get out there and do the work that God's called you to do. Now, now, in my final words, I, Christian, you got your charge. You, I've been asking for a sign, God, give me a sign, you want me to keep going, Lord, give me a sign, you want me to keep doing what you, keep, or that you want me to start this, well, here you go, there's your sign, you got it. Christian, do what you got to do, do what you know God wants you to do. Now, my final words, I want to speak in just a few minutes here, as I close out the sermon now, to those who are not following Jesus Christ, or, or those whom have never been saved, who find themselves listening to this message because, you know, God's calling you, He's drawing you. Uh, many today believe themselves to be saved, so as to say that they believe that when they die, they're going to go to heaven and be there forever. And, and shockingly enough, uh, this, this is going to be a shock uh, to those listening, what they believe is partially true. <gasps> Pastor Ed, you're saying everybody goes to heaven when they die? yes everyone goes to heaven when they die that's correct but again even thinking that they're going to go to heaven when they die and then and stay there now that's a partial deceptive truth because although everyone gets to go to heaven when they die not everyone gets to stay forever even per jesus christ matthew chapter 25 remember the one servant that was cast out. For you see, everyone goes to heaven because that's where God is. That's where God's judgment throne is, right? That's where He's going to judge you to see if you're worthy to inherit eternal life with Him forever or not. Uh, Jesus Christ said that many would go the way of destruction, while few would be saved. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. So, we're all going to go, but we're not all going to get to stay. For many will be cast out because God didn't find them worthy to stay. Now, how do, you, how do you go about being saved and being able to be with God in Christ forever into eternity and not standing before the Lord God, hearing Matthew 25, 30, and cast the unprofitable servant to outer darkness? Wow, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. How do we make sure we're not that person? That, that's, that's the, that's, that should be the goal of everyone on this earth because the biggest tragedy in this whole world will not be all the millions that have been killed by wars, but it'll be those that turned down and, and rejected the calling of Jesus Christ to come and have eternal life with Him forever. He's calling everybody. Because there's going to be way more people that have rejected Jesus Christ's call to come to be to he- in heaven forever than there are, ever will be those that died in wars or ever those that were murdered in abortion. There'll be more that reject Jesus Christ as their Lord. And that's the biggest tragedy. So how do we not end up that person in Matthew 25, 30? Listen to what Jesus Christ says in Matthew 10 and 37, and then do it. He says this, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He wants you today to make a decision to come to him and he wants you to decide to love him not by mouth not by lips but by actions he wants you to lay down your life and have a relationship with him he wants you to come to him and decide to love him more than anything in this world and more than anyone in this world again loving him by your life not just your lips how do we do that? Verses 38 and 39. He who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That's, that's laying your life down in 39. He who finds his life will lose it. If you, you own your life, you are the master of your life. It's your life when you're born. So if you want that life and you want to control that life yourself, he who finds his life will lose it meaning hey it's yours god won't force it to take it from you it's yours he'll let you have it but of course your life you as your master you as your god you're not doing what god says you're not going to go to be in god's heaven right but he says this and he who loses from uh, his life for my sake will find it you got your life you own your life if you lose it for his sake meaning You what? Losing your life to find it means that you lose or submit or surrender your earthly life or the control that you have over your earthly life, your being, your heart, the control you have of all that you are when you submit or surrender those to Jesus Christ as Lord and give Him the place of Master, Lord in your heart and soul. If you, you, Surrendered to him as the Lord, waving the white flag of surrender. You stop playing games with God and you turn and you submit and you get on your knees and you cry out to him, God, I'm so sorry for what I've done. I'm so sorry that I've run my life and I've ruined my life. Now, God, I want you to be my Lord. Please, Lord, take my life. I give it to you. Lord, I know you can't take it. But I give it to you, Lord. And you submit and surrender the control of your life to him. Uh, You make that decision in your inner man or your inner woman or your inner child. Then after you do that, you go to God's word in the New Testament, the red letters of Christ, and you decide to hear him. This is what Jesus always was saying. Those who have ears to hear. Right? And then you live your life according to the things he said to do, and then you live your life and you don't do the things that he said not to do. And the kind of surrender, if you want to... I love to give visual pictures of what people know, because it's a little hard. How do I... What does that mean to surrender or, or to submit? Well, think of how when people get married, right? A man and a woman and a, and a woman and a man, and they decide to get married in God's type of marriage, and they make a commitment to one another to love one another, they commit themselves to them, each other. They commit their hearts. They commit all of themselves. They commit all of themselves sexually. They commit all of themselves willfully. They commit all of themselves to be with one another for the rest of their lives and not to be with anyone else like they are with one another intimately in the same way, but they decide to be that one way with one another and not any other human being until they die. This is what submitting and surrender. Losing your earthly life to Christ is completely the same way, just in a spiritual way. (laughs) Please, on the day you die, I don't want you to hear Christ say, or God Almighty say, Jehovah say, cast away this unprofitable servant into eternal fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't want this for you and neither does God and that's why he sent Christ to earth he sent Christ to earth to die for your sins so that you would not go to hell and Jesus Christ desires that you to take his pardon for your sins today through him and his blood shed on the cross for you and that you surrender to him today but you must take make no make no doubt about it you must come to him his way And not your own. If you want to be your own God and do your own things your own way, well, then yes, you will receive whatever that making yourself or keeping yourself your God will get you. And keeping yourself the God of your life will get you into hell. But if you come to Him and you do it His way, He laid out a plan of salvation for you and for us. We must make a decision for Him, surrendering and submitting our lives to Him the way He told us to do it, loving Him as our wonderful and mighty husband King. (laughs) He's just asked you to come to Jesus Christ. Now, He's asked you, you are listening to this message, who who don't know Him, He just asked you to submit to Him as the Lord in your heart of hearts. Uh, He's waiting for your answer. Would you fall upon your knees... And, and on your face today, and would you submit to Christ in your heart of hearts? It's, it's, it's a hard decision, but, but his love and, and what he's done for you and his, his great sacrifice and the way he'll take care of you and the way he'll, he'll comfort you when you're down, there, there, no one else on this earth can do that for you. And would you let Him make you a new creation? And then begin following Him with all that you are, even accepting His visions for your work that He has for you to do for Him. And you making an eternal impact in other people's lives. Just like Paul and Timothy and Silas and Luke did here in Our Word. They were obedient to God's Word and they made an impact on somebody else's life. I submitted my life to God's vision for my life with Gospel Saving Church and in other areas. And God has made an impact through my ministry, through the minute not my ministry, through the ministry He's given me on other people's lives. And He wants to do the same for you. So turn, fall down today and cry out to Him, please. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love, God. Thank you so much, Lord God, for, uh, Lord, the things that you ask us to do. For, for Lord, it'd be awful boring, Lord, if if we were to just get saved and then He went, oh, okay, well, you know, you're saved, so, I'll, hey, just... Go to the break room, you know, catch a catch an iced tea and, and sit back and watch your favorite football game. You know that that that's all. You're good. I, hey, I got I got others that I'm gonna have work for me. Just you know, go go sit on it, Lord. That would be awful boring, because Lord, I'm a I'm a working man. And Lord, I'll be a working man till I die. And Lord, I know Lord God being a working man. Breaks are nice. Vacations are nice. My days off are nice. Because of course, nobody can work seven days a week, you know, hard labor and keep, I mean, some people do, but we know when we get those breaks, those breaks are nice. But, well, Lord, I could never, being a responsible, godly man, I could never just sit back and just not do anything, Lord. Even if tomorrow, Lord, you, so, some, some distant relative of mine passes away and leaves me $100 million, well, I'd still have to do something, Lord. I couldn't just sit here on my couch and get fat and die of heart disease, Lord. I'd have to do something. Go drive a school bus or something. I'd have to do something for retirement, God. But, Lord... Um, thank you that you love people and and you have a plan for them to get saved and when they submit to that plan Lord God then you have other plans for them Lord God and I thank you for that Lord God you know what we need and and I just you're so awesome everything you do Lord is awesome even if it doesn't seem to be good at the moment we're going through it God we, we love you we praise you and uh, Lord ask all these things I pray that those that are listening to this message will get saved if they're not saved and those that are listening to this message if they're yours and you're calling them that they'd fulfill the vision that you've got for them and the calling that you have for them. And I pray you'd have your way and your will to be done in these people's lives and hearts that are listening. And I ask these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.